Today is June 9th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer and I am blessed to be here. Grateful that you're here. Welcome in and welcome back. In case it's your first time with us, this is the podcast where we read through the Bible in a year and we explore its meaning and relevance and resonance for our lives today. Now, in today's passages, we'll be reading about the preparations and the building of the temple by Solomon. We'll also hear a salient defense of the faith delivered by Stephen. We'll also read about in Psalms, the blessing of God on those who trust in him. And in Proverbs, the danger of gossip and being friends with people who are prone to violence. Let's dive into God's word and see what he has to say to us today. Let's flow, feast, and be filled. First Kings chapters 5 and 6. Solomon prepares to build the temple. King Hiram of Tyre had always been a friend of David's, and when he heard that Solomon had succeeded his father David as king, he sent ambassadors to him. Solomon sent back this message to Hiram. You know that because of the constant wars my father David had to fight against the enemy countries all around him, he could not build a temple for the worship of the Lord his God until the Lord had given him victory over all his enemies. But now the Lord my God has given me peace on all my borders. I have no enemies and there is no danger of attack. The Lord promised my father David, your son, whom I will make king after you, will build a temple for me. And I have now decided to build that temple for the worship of the Lord my God. So send your men to Lebanon to cut down cedars for me. My men will work with them, and I will pay your men whatever you decide. As you well know, my men don't know how to cut down trees as well as yours do. Hiram was extremely pleased when he received Solomon's message, and he said, Praise the Lord today for giving David such a wise son to succeed him as king of that great nation. Then Hiram sent Solomon the following message, I have received your message, and I am ready to do what you ask. I will provide the cedars and the pine trees. My men will bring the logs down from Lebanon to the sea and will tie them together in rafts to float them down the coast to the place you choose. There my men will untie them, and your men will take charge of them. On your part, I would like you to supply the food for my men. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the cedar and pine logs that he wanted, and Solomon provided Hiram with 100,000 bushels of wheat and 110,000 gallons of pure olive oil every year to feed his men. The Lord kept his promise and gave Solomon wisdom. There was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and they made a treaty with each other. King Solomon drafted 30,000 men as forced labor from all over Israel and put Adoniram in charge of them. He divided them into three groups of 10,000 men, and each group spent one month in Lebanon and two months back home. Solomon also had 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country with 70,000 men to carry the stones, and he placed 3,300 foremen in charge of them to supervise their work. At King Solomon's command, they cut fine, large stones for the foundation of the temple. Solomon's and Hiram's workers and men from the city of Byblos prepared the stones and the timber to build the temple. Solomon builds the temple. 
480 years after the people of Israel left Egypt, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the second month, the month of Ziv, Solomon began work on the temple. Inside, it was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The entrance room was 15 feet deep and 30 feet wide, as wide as the sanctuary itself. The walls of the temple had openings in them, narrower on the outside than on the inside. Against the outside walls, on the sides and the back of the temple, a three-storied annex was built, each story seven and a half feet high. Each room in the lowest story was seven and a half feet wide, in the middle story nine feet wide, and in the top story ten and a half feet wide. The temple wall on each floor was thinner than on the floor below, so that the rooms could rest on the wall without having their beams built into it. The stones with which the temple was built had been prepared at the quarry, so that there was no noise made by hammers, axes, or any other iron tools as the temple was being built. The entrance to the lowest story of the annex was on the south side of the temple, with stairs leading up to the second and third stories. So King Solomon finished building the temple. He put in a ceiling made of beams and boards of cedar. The three-storied annex, each story seven and a half feet high, was built against the outside walls of the temple and was joined to them by cedar beams. The Lord said to Solomon, If you obey all my laws and commands, I will do for you what I promised your father David. I will live among my people Israel in this temple that you are building, and I will never abandon them. So Solomon finished building the temple. The Interior Furnishings of the Temple the inside walls were covered with cedar panels from the floor to the ceiling, and the floor was made of pine. An inner room, called the Most Holy Place, was built in the rear of the temple. It was 30 feet long and was partitioned off by cedar boards reaching from the floor to the ceiling. The room in front of the Most Holy Place was 60 feet long. The cedar panels were decorated with carvings of gourds and flowers. The whole interior was covered with cedar so that the stones of the walls could not be seen. In the rear of the temple, an inner room was built where the Lord's covenant box was to be placed. This inner room was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high, all covered with pure gold. The altar was covered with cedar panels. The inside of the temple was covered with gold, and gold chains were placed across the entrance of the inner room, which was also covered with gold. The whole interior of the temple was covered with gold, as well as the altar in the most holy place. Two winged creatures were made of olive wood and placed in the most holy place, each one 15 feet tall. Both were of the same size and shape, each had two wings, each wing seven and a half feet long, so that the distance from one wingtip to the other was 15 feet. They were placed side by side in the most holy place, so that two of their outstretched wings touched each other in the middle of the room, and the other two wings touched the walls. The two winged creatures were covered with gold. The walls of the main room and of the inner room were all decorated with carved figures of winged creatures, palm trees, and flowers. Even the floor was covered with gold. A double door made of olive wood was set in place.
place at the entrance of the most holy place. The top of the doorway was a pointed arch. The doors were decorated with carved figures of winged creatures, palm trees, and flowers. The doors, the winged creatures, and the palm trees were covered with gold. For the entrance to the main room, a rectangular doorframe of olive wood was made. There were two folding doors made of pine and decorated with carved figures of winged creatures, palm trees, and flowers, which were evenly covered with gold. An inner court was built in front of the temple, enclosed with walls which had one layer of cedar beams for every three layers of stone. The foundation of the temple was laid in the second month, the month of Ziv, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. In the eighth month, the month of Bull, in the eleventh year of Solomon's reign, the temple was completely finished, exactly as it had been planned. It had taken Solomon seven years to build it. Acts chapter 7 verses 1 through 29 Stephen's speech The high priest asked Stephen, Is this true? Stephen answered, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Before our ancestor Abraham had gone to live in Haran, the God of glory appeared to him in Mesopotamia and said to him, Leave your family and country and go to the land that I will show you. And so he left his country and went to live in Haran. After Abraham's father died, God made him move to this land where you now live. God did not then give Abraham any part of it as his own, not even a square foot of ground, but God promised to give it to him and that it would belong to him and to his descendants. At the time God made this promise, Abraham had no children. This is what God said to him, Your descendants will live in a foreign country, where they will be slaves and will be badly treated for 400 years. But I will pass judgment on the people that they will serve, and afterward your descendants will come out of that country and will worship me in this place. Then God gave to Abraham the ceremony of circumcision as a sign of the covenant. So Abraham circumcised Isaac a week after he was born, Isaac circumcised his son Jacob, and Jacob circumcised his twelve sons, the famous ancestors of our race. Jacob's sons became jealous of their brother Joseph and sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and brought him safely through all his troubles. When Joseph appeared before the king of Egypt, God gave him a pleasing manner and wisdom, and the king made Joseph governor over the country and the royal household. Then there was a famine all over Egypt and Canaan, which caused much suffering. Our ancestors could not find any food, and when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent his sons, our ancestors, on their first visit there. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and the king of Egypt came to know about Joseph's family. So Joseph sent a message to his father Jacob, telling him and the whole family, 75 people in all, to come to Egypt. Then Jacob went to Egypt, where he and his sons died. Their bodies were taken to Shechem, where they were buried in the grave which Abraham had bought from the clan of Hamor for a sum of money. When the time drew near for God to keep the promise he had made to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had grown much larger. At last, a king who did not know about Joseph began to rule in Egypt. He tricked our ancestors and was cruel 
cruel to them, forcing them to put their babies out of their homes so that they would die. It was at this time that Moses was born, a very beautiful child. He was cared for at home for three months, and when he was put out of his home, the king's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. He was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and became a great man in words and deeds. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to find out how his fellow Israelites were being treated. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his help and took revenge on the Egyptian by killing him. He thought that his own people would understand that God was going to use him to set them free, but they did not understand. The next day, he saw two Israelites fighting, and he tried to make peace between them. Listen, men, he said, you are fellow Israelites. Why are you fighting like this? But the one who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us? He asked, do you want to kill me just as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled from Egypt and went to live in the land of Midian. There he had two sons. Psalm 127, in praise of God's goodness. If the Lord does not build the house, the work of the builders is useless. If the Lord does not protect the city, it does no good for the sentries to stand guard. It is useless to work so hard for a living, getting up early and going to bed late. For the Lord provides for those he loves while they are asleep. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. The sons a man has when he is young are like arrows in a soldier's hand. Happy is the man who has many such arrows. He will never be defeated when he meets his enemies in the place of judgment. Proverbs chapter 16 verses 28 through 30. Gossip is spread by wicked people. They stir up trouble and break up friendships. Violent people deceive their friends and lead them to disaster. Watch out for people who grin and wink at you. They have thought of something evil. So I just want to talk about a couple things that we read in Psalms and Proverbs today. So in Psalm 127, we read what's called a Song of Ascents by Solomon, which means that it was sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem and the temple. Now this psalm teaches us that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The psalm also reminds us that children are, of course, a heritage from the Lord, a reward, a blessing, and a gift from Him. The psalm teaches us about our dependence on God for everything we do and have. Don't miss this. It teaches us that our efforts, no matter how hard we are working, they're meaningless without God's blessing and His guidance. It teaches us that our security is not in our own strength nor our own wisdom, but it's in God's care, protection, provision, and His divine intellect. It teaches us that our joy is not in the plans and ambitions that we have. It is in God's presence and favor and when His blessing is on our plans and our ambitions. And then we move over to Proverbs, and there's some valuable insights there about how our words and actions can impact 
our lives and relationships. It serves as a reminder of the dangers of gossip, spreading rumors, and being dishonest, all of which can not only harm others, but also do harm to ourselves. These proverbs, of course, still hold true for us today, where what we say and do truly matters. We are constantly bombarded with information, opinions, and rumors that can shape our thoughts and our emotions. We are constantly facing various kinds of pressures, conflicts, and temptations that can lead us away from who we truly are, from our authentic selves. It's a world, we live in a world, where we need to be mindful of our words and how they affect those around us. And I don't know how many times that we have covered this very same message here in Proverbs since we started it this year, but it's been a lot. And that says a lot to me. The Bible places so much emphasis on our words, on what we speak. So for me, that means that this is something that we really need to pay attention to and something that we need to be constantly mindful of every single day. These proverbs urge us to take a moment to reflect on our intentions before we speak or act. They encourage, compel, and challenge us to use our words and actions for good, for the building up, avoiding destructive behaviors, avoiding destructive language that only serves to tear down or inspire negativity. They remind us to strive for harmony in our relationships rather than stirring up discord. They prompt us to seek peace instead of engaging in unnecessary conflicts because some conflicts are necessary. We just have to find constructive ways of dealing with that conflict. These proverbs remind us to embrace honesty and sincerity rather than resorting to deceit or ambivalence or ambiguity. Ultimately, these proverbs challenge us to choose wisdom over foolishness in all aspects of our lives. So let's rise to that challenge today and Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are awesome and you are wonderful in your infinite wisdom and intelligence. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, guiding us and illuminating the way that we should go. Your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercies are new every morning. Lord, your presence and your glory fill the earth. Lord, we ask that it would just Fill us and fill our homes. Your blessing and your protection surround us as your children. And Lord, we thank you. Lord God, you are our help and our hope. Help us to be faithful, committed, and obedient to you. Help us to build our lives on your foundation and not on our own efforts. Lord, help us to watch over our hearts, to guard our mouths so that we may not speak or do wrong against others. Help us to be witnesses of your truth and your love in this world. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge our dependence on you for everything we do and we have. Lord, we are nothing without you. We acknowledge that our efforts are meaningless without your blessing and your guidance. We know that our security is not in our own strength or wisdom, but it's in your care and your covering. Lord, we know that our joy is not in our own plans or ambitions, but in your presence and your favor. So Lord, may we stay ever so close to 
you and receive more of your presence in our lives, more of your favor, more of your anointing, more of your glory, more of your blessings, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all of our worship. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts and all of our strength, and we are coming after you. Lord, we give you all the glory all the glory that you deserve. Lord, if we had 10,000 tongues, we could not praise you enough, but we are going to do our best to try. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And our affirmation for today. Today, I expect something wonderful to happen for me. Today, I expect something wonderful to happen for me. And our aphorism. There are two good rules which ought to be written on every heart, never to believe anything bad about anybody unless you positively know it to be true, and never tell that unless you feel that it is absolutely necessary and that God is listening while you tell it. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. May you be blessed with wonder and gratitude, faith and hope, love and compassion, peace and joy. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go forth today. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.